Hey everyone, this is Pete Perusik, and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered and can provide the pathway to set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. After the discussion is over, I encourage you to stick around and hear a breakdown from a physical therapist's perspective of how this weathering athlete is able to keep moving forward. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. Today I'm honored to be joined by Beth Warren from mile number 11. She and her husband Alan make up one of the many power couples of our local triathlon team. Her vast experience as an athlete since high school and her extensive race resume over the years, which includes events of all distances and international competition, provides great insight to the team. We spend time reflecting on how she has dealt with her Achilles injury, the events of the day at the Boston Marathon, the year of the bombing. When it comes to training in pre and post race, she is the greatest teammate and cheerleader you will find. For any team member that completes their first half or full Ironman, she will paint a small rock to commemorate their accomplishment, which is always incredibly detailed and valued by the recipient. I should know, I have one on my mantle. She is a fierce competitor that continues to balance the win at all cost with the valuing her long-term success as she has aged. She is very detail-oriented and her use of setting new goals as she ages provides a target to go, aim for, and to shatter. I hope you enjoy. It yeah. actually gave me a lot of food for thought because there's, you know, there's a whole long process to, you know, this many years of doing this in a way. And I think some of your early decisions affect how you are, you know, in the present. Yeah. You know it's it, it, you get used to, I think, doing some things as well. And you're just like, why are you doing it? Are you doing it now because you really should do this or should you be doing something different? <laughs> right, exactly. Beth, I want to thank you for your willingness to spend some time with me. How's your day been going? Oh, not too bad. Um, I, let's see, I biked today. I ran today. I took a walk today. So I guess those are all good things. That is a good thing. Um, <laughs> so I said, since there's an age requirement of uh, 50 or above, I want you to tell us your age, your work credentials, and maybe some history about your athletic career. Okay, sure. Um, my age is 53. And technically, I'm 54 triathlon years old because my birthday is the end of the year. Mm -hmm. um, I am a licensed professional engineer. Um, I have a job in a company in Eden, North Carolina that makes um, release liners for medical, graphics arts, uh, building industry. So um, I'm very much into machinery and that type of stuff. And part of my job, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little while, is the fact that I travel. I travel internationally. I think I've been to probably at least 25, 30 different countries. Okay. So, so there's a lot of challenges around that, which we can get to. But um, um, just, I, I wrote down some stuff so that I kind of wouldn't forget yep. some of the important things. Um, I think, you know, in all reality, when I think back about my start to all this, it really hinged on my parents. I had a father who was a semi-professional figure skater. 
I ha he was also an avid, um, I don't know if I would call him a cyclist, riding on a three-speed bike, but he would ride 40 miles on a three-speed. Okay. You know? I, I know. And then my mother, um, she also bicycled, but not as much as my father. But the one thing that she did do was when I first started running, she would actually run a couple miles with me. Okay. And back at that time, you know, she was 30 years older than me and she was in her forties and she did really well. And that was very unusual at that time to see a woman of her age out running. Okay. People would kind of look at you funny. I mean, I was, I was probably 14 and I started running to play soccer. Okay. Well, I played soccer my first year when I was a, a freshman in high school and then I played basketball and the soccer coach was also a track coach and she wanted to make me a sprinter. Okay. I was going to do softball, but I decided, cause I played baseball as a kid. I decided, okay, I'll give this track thing a try and I was supposed to be a sprinter. Except for she'd send me out on like a three mile run with the sprinters and I'd be back half an hour before the rest of them. <laughs> They'd finally get back and she would be screaming at them. What'd you do? Go to Texas and back. And <laughs> It was, it was really amusing. So then her solution was, okay, Beth is still a sprinter, but I'm going to let her do her two or three mile warm up with the distance girls. Okay. So I would do that. And then I, I really lucked into it because one of the girls on the team who was a senior got hurt, couldn't run the mile. So she just said, you know, by that time she'd realized I wasn't that fast. So I, she already had me in the 400. So okay. she threw me into the mile and um, I finished one second behind the winner. And, you know, they asked me and said, you know, how'd you like it? How was it? I said, oh, that was actually fun. That wasn't so hard. And they said, well, why didn't you win it? And I'm like, well, that's my friend Barb. And I said, I, I didn't know, you know, if I should beat her or not. So I didn't <laughs> beat her. <laughs> so from then on, all of a sudden, I became a distance runner. And it was it just came really, really easy to me. And it was really great because I was told, uh, my mother was told, actually, in kindergarten, I failed gym. Oh. Believe it or not. And the main reason was I couldn't skip. So it's needless to say, I'm the most uncoordinated person you ever met. Couldn't <laughs> skip. I learned how to skip. I did do that. But, but she told my mother that, you know, I was, I was a very smart little girl and I'd be better off sticking to books. Wow. So my mother and her, and it was a very smart woman. It was a very smart woman. And she just took that and kind of said, whatever. And then put me into sports, never told her or any, never said anything to me about it. And I still remember the night of my graduation in high school, um, this, you know, gym teacher from elementary school came up and congratulated me. I had, I think, eight track records for the school. And my mother said, boy, it's a darn good thing. My daughter's not athletic. Otherwise she might've gotten more than eight records. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so what the heck is this mom? And she goes, she goes, Irish women never forget. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, really the athletic part in me, I, I never thought of myself as an athlete, really. You know, I, I mean, I did these sports and stuff like that, but I just never, you know, I, I always thought, well, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the person that likes to read and I'm the person that likes to, 
you know, that likes to do my math and my sciences and stuff. So interestingly enough, that's how I got into it. And then I became good enough. My mother, again, being a very smart woman, said to me, you need to become an engineer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that fits you. And, I, and it was a good choice. It really yeah. was. And then she also said, and um, you need to keep winning at running so that you can pay for your college with a scholarship. <laughs> which I also did. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it all worked out really well. And, and you know, I, I mean, my parents were both people that, you know, my mother was a teacher. My father was a, a pressman at a newspaper, so they didn't make a lot of money. So, yeah. me being able to get some academic scholarships and athletic scholarships really helped for, for my schooling. So, it allowed me to, to be what I am. So, I'm forever grateful that I had a somewhat uh, forceful mother, I guess. <laughs> hey, that's good. So my question out of all that is, have yeah. you ever let anybody else win? <laughs> um, you know, honestly, my sister, my sister was a, was a runner. My brother was a runner. My brother played basketball. My sister played basketball. My sister played soccer and got hurt playing soccer. Okay. But her and I used to go to races and, and we'd run the sister sister competitions and we could, we could win it. Cause she always thought she was a bad runner, but in a 5k, she was maybe a minute behind me. Okay. You know? And I mean, I look at her times and her times were pretty good. She was running 21 minutes or something. That's not bad for a 5k. No. You know, for a young girl. <laughs> well, I, I can say the time that I've known you, I've never seen you anybody else win. So I, I can't imagine that you would do that on purpose. <laughs> I have such a hard time with that. I really do. I mean, I actually will tell you, you'd be really proud probably. I was at the Thanksgiving race in um, High Point this year and running with the injury I had, which I probably shouldn't have been because it was very hilly there. But right at the very end, the last 200 or so, a, a girl that was at least half my age went flying on by me and now the old Beth before getting hurt or, you know, even like three or four years ago would not have let that stand. But I was like, Oh, it's a, it's a Thanksgiving run for fun. I'm just running. <laughs> and I'm proud of you, Beth. I'm as a physical <laughs> therapist. I am I proud of you for doing well, that. <laughs> because and that was the main reason. All I kept thinking was I'm starting to get better and, you know, hard running in hills and things like that. And Achilles are just not a good mix. No, it's not. So then when did you, I know you've pretty much been, you know, done mostly running, but when did you switch to triathlons? Um, I switched to triathlon. I actually did a lot of other stuff too. I did cross country skiing. I did downhill skiing. Mm -hmm. I um, did golf. I mean, all these, all those things I probably did for about 10 years. And, um, and I was also brought up on ice skates before I could stand. My, my dad literally had me on ice skates. So I'm, I'm a decent skater as well. Just haven't done it in a long time, but mm -hmm. I got into triathlon. Um, it's actually been, this would be, this would be my 10 year anniversary of triathlon if I had any races to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I got in, you know, honestly, I'd always been curious about it. Um, I never was a cyclist. And swimming, um, not too many people know this, but um, I have had ear problems my entire life. I've had 15 surgeries on my ears. 
from the time I was two years old and I was never allowed in water. I was never allowed to get water in my ear. So I really, the only time I ever went underwater, I was at a pool party when I was 16 and somebody didn't know that about me and they, they pushed me in the pool and I almost drowned Wow! because I panicked. I didn't know what to do. You know yeah. what I mean? So to me, swimming was always going to be an out. And we had this great running group in Fulton, um, the Oswego County Runaholics. And, you know, some of the people had done some triathlon. Some were just starting to get into it. And I, I had a friend who was famous for, um, well, we used to say for collecting strays. She got Alan into our club. That's how I met Alan. Mm-hmm. And then she also decided that we were going to just do triathlons. And my thought was, well, okay, I will call a doc, you know, my doctor and see what they think. And, and in reality, the, the ear that's been the biggest problem, and I've had it rebuilt, I've had some really major surgeries on it, I have 10% hearing in it. So my doctor at the time was actually <laughs> the husband of the girl that was trying to get me to do triathlon. Okay. And he said, you know what, I don't think, you know, you got, you've got to wear earplugs and protect the hearing you have in your one ear. So as long as you wear earplugs, you know, go ahead and go swim with my wife and keep her busy, you know? So my whole thing, P, honestly, I thought two weeks I was going to quit. Yeah. That's what, before I even tried it. Yeah. So we went to the pool, this girl, and then one of my, fr- my real good friends was um, already into triathlons and she was somebody who grew up swimming. So she says, oh, we'll go over to the Y, the pool's shallow, and, you know, we'll, we'll practice swimming. She came home, and her husband said, so how's Beth with the swimming? And she goes, oh, my God, she obviously has never swum in her life. <laughs> and then the funny thing about it was it kind of like, I don't want to say I just sort of got a fever for the swimming, but I just, there was something about it that was really relaxed. I mean, and I was horrible. I, it probably took me, I, I went to the Y every day, five days a week for a little bit of swimming to just try to do a lap, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, the breathing was, the breathing was a huge problem. So finally somebody handed me a pull buoy and said, here, and I, what do I do with this? You know? Yeah. So they told me and you know what? It made it easier to breathe. And then next thing you know, I'm like, Oh, I actually can, I actually could do some strokes. I'm not choking on water. This is great. And you know, so self-taught really with some advice from people along the way. And you know, next thing you know, we have this goal for those of us that have just started to do a race. Actually it was an Ironman branded race, but it's called iron girl. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a sprint triathlon just for women. So my first race was Iron Girl. And um, it's funny because even though Alan and I didn't even know each other, he was at that race. And his job was to tell women when they came out of the, with their bikes that their helmets were on backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, that is what his job was. (laughs) No. So, I mean, I didn't meet him then because I wasn't a, yeah. a violator of that, but you know, <laughs> I went and did, I did my first, first race actually was supposed to be this iron girl in August. And they talked everyone into going and doing an indoor try at a YMCA in February. Then we did one in March. And then next mm-hmm. thing you know, I did a, my first sprint try was Kiuka Lake in like June. So it was way before I was supposed to be, you know, 
doing this iron girl thing where you had 20 minutes to swim a 600 meter swim and I was hoping I wouldn't make the cutoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I did 18 minutes that year. You know, I mean, I, I, I was, I was terrible, but the funny thing about it was I really, really enjoyed it. And, um, that July I did an Olympic as well. And, um, I thought I was going to die yeah. to be honest with you. You know, as somebody who's a runner, you, you really start to feel, especially, um, I mean, I have done so many marathons yeah. I just felt like I was invincible and, oh, this is, you know, it's only a 10K. Well, that 10K was the hardest 10K I think I ever did in my life after going through and doing that long swim for me. Yeah. It tired me right out. So, you know, and, and that year I actually did do a half in September. I did the Syracuse okay. half, which the bike was no joke. It was very, very hilly. So we would go down to Jamesville Park and we would bike that route and, joke about how we needed oxygen and all this other stuff. And <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, I, I did a six hour and 30 second half for my first one. Nice. And that's with having a really bad, I'm going to tell you it was a bad swim. It was a really bad swim. Yeah. I'm always curious, you know, that, that transition you know, something happens and people get that bug to do it. And it's, it's amazing. Once you do that, get over the swim part, and especially yeah. if that's what you struggle with. It's amazing how you get hooked. Like I'm hooked on this sport. It's such a, everything about it is just fantastic. Oh, I was, I was hooked. And I mean, yeah. I literally came out of the water when I did that first Olympic, the last person. And it was the first time I'd ever done like a mile swim in a race. And I came out of there and you would have thought I won the lottery with the celebrating <laughs> and jumping up and down. I was doing it. And one of my friends was watching it goes, Get on that bike! You need to get going. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, all those little things. And and it was funny because people say to me, you know, what what's your favorite part? And a lot of times it's a swim. And I know I'm not that good at it, but I think I'm the person that wants the challenge to get better and better at something. Yeah. And I've come to realize that at my age, my running is not going to get faster. It's not getting faster. And and the other thing I noticed right off the bat when I went to triathlon was I didn't have time to run as much as I was. And next thing you know, my running got better. Yeah. It actually improved. Yeah. Not pounding every day and running, feeling like I had to run every day. The, the changes to the, the other sports made a huge difference to my running. And it kind of, you know, it revitalized it for me as well. Yeah, there's huge advantages of this, that, that cross-training uh, type of activity. So that's good. Let's, uh, as far as your work, I know you traveled a lot before COVID hit. So yeah. what was your typical training? What were you able to do while you were away? You would be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I have literally figured out, um, and, and it's, it's become a little bit easier because before the job I currently have, I was a consultant, so I would, I would never know where I was going to be. I might be in Indonesia one week. I might be in, a, in Malaysia another week. And the one thing that always was true was I could always run. Mm -hmm. So if nothing else, I could run. I started getting really good at figuring out which hotels and hotel chains would have pools that were suitable, okay. A pool is sometimes the hardest thing. Um, I would find... And I generally found that the gyms and the hotels 
that are outside of the U.S. are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So some of it is that, and then and then I also really just love to get out to these places I've never been to before, and you can explore running. I mean, it's just it's the neatest thing to go out somewhere. And then you go into a plant, you start telling somebody where you were in there, wow, you were out there, you know, kind of thing. And, and they're in, and you don't, they're just things you don't see when you're working and you get in a car and you go to the plant, you go back to the hotel and you go to eat and you know, it's, it's so the only thing it does require is I like to know a little bit ahead of time where I'm going. Then I'll take a look at my schedule and, um, I've never really had a coach. Um, I do get training programs. Um, I'm on the uh, triathlon Terran Trainiac. Okay. And the reason I chose him over a coach is because I basically tell him when my races are, I tell him how many times a week I want to run, which is three. And he really doesn't want more than that because he feels that people get hurt. I bike four times a week and I swim three times a week. So then you start setting up, you know, you pick out which days for your, for your long run, your long bike and all that. And the nice thing about that is you, you kind of set it in stone. So I have a similar pattern every week, Monday's my light day, things like that. Okay. And then when I look at my travel schedule, I go, hmm, let's see, how can I get all these workouts in or not? Yeah. You know, the other thing is too, is I, is I will sometimes tend to take that travel as more of a rest week and recovery week. And I think, you know, I mean, having a plan is all well and good, but I don't think that the plans that are out there are absolutely perfect for an athlete over 50. Yeah. Because you, you, you know, and I, I guess one of the things I've learned um, about myself is that I do not need to push as hard as I used to when I was younger. I really don't. And I think I'm better for that because I've had, I've had quite a few people that are somewhere around my age and say, Oh my God, I can't believe you can do as much training as you can. I mean, you probably see my Strava. I'm constantly doing stuff, but it's the effort level. And then, and then at, at the right times I will push. And that's some of the reason for having this, this type of training program for me is it works because I don't think, I would, I would have a hard time seeing eye to eye with a coach and having them try to try to set it. And I would probably be the worst person in the world for them to work with because they'd set something up for two weeks. I'd be calling them and saying, Oh, I got to go to such and such. We got to move this, this, and this. And they'd be going, no, 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 this is here for this. And this is there for that. And you know, it's, it's hard. So, um, I do get a lot of my workouts in most of them when I'm working um, overseas or in my plants in the U S I do a lot of the workouts in the morning. Okay. Because I just, the only thing I seem to be able to do all right at night is, is biking. I, I cannot run at night. I'm just not, I'm just not that person, (laughs) you know? Well, the one thing, you know, I, there's two things I can guarantee when you're overseas somewhere. I'm going to see pictures of gr- amazing <laughs> food that you eat. And then also my Strava notification is going to go off that you ran somewhere. So I, I knew you were running yeah, um, because yeah. I definitely see it going off all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of now because I'm with a particular company that has plants in certain locations, I would say 90% of my travel are going to be to those plants. 
sometimes I'll go to suppliers, you know, but it's not as often. So now I have even, even better control, which I love over, over what I'm doing. So certain plants, I have YMCA's that I will use, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a big use, I'm a big user of what is the Y called? It's the away program. I think it is. Okay. So I've already set myself up in Wisconsin and Iowa to use their pools when I go there. And also in Iowa, there's actually a group that does open water swimming in the summer. So I always hope I can get out there and do that as well. And I mean, I will, I will, I will do those things. I've also, um, to the Netherlands, I was there for a month in September and I brought my bike. Yeah. I packed it up. I put it in a box. I flew it on the plane with me. And I'm like, you know, if I can do this for a race, why not do this for a whole month? And it was right before, it was probably, it was September. So it was the month before um, Ironman North Carolina. So I biked in the Netherlands, which is actually flatter, which is probably perfect and windy. It's perfect for the North Carolina environment type of thing. So I got some really good, I was doing 50 mile rides on the weekends and, you know, just getting out when I could to do, to do some mileage. And the Netherlands is so bike friendly. It, it's safe. It makes it easy. They have bike paths. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful place to, to actually go and bike. And, and I was fortunate to be able to do that. And that really helped me when I did race in North Carolina. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that you took your bike over and yeah. and did that. So now since COVID's happened and you're working out of the house, uh, <laughs> what is that done for your training? You know, it's, um, I'm probably not getting as much rust as I used to. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had to, um, you know, quite honestly, I have so much more time right now. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not commuting, I'm not traveling, I'm not trying to squeeze stuff in. I mean, I still work, you know, during your normal 7.30 to 4.30 day, but it's just left me a lot more time to get probably one of the most important things I get. I think I'm getting a little more sleep now than I would. And normally when I'm doing Ironman training, you know, you tend to get, you know, you tend to get kind mm -hmm. of tired kind of exhausted. It's hard to find the time to squeeze it in and to sleep. And this has given me a wonderful opportunity to be able to, I'm probably in fantastic shape. I don't know because, you know, I haven't really raced anything, but I think, you know, very consistent training right now. And, um, you know, everything, everything is feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm ready for Ironman Arizona to cancel, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. And you know what? I'm okay with that too, yeah. because this, this to me is just like a big base building, you know, and I've also been able to, you know, Alan said to me, um, one day I was going out for the second time in a day to finish a run that I hadn't had time to finish because of work. So I did part of it and then I went out and did another three miles later and it was hot and, you know, he could just tell I was stressing out that it was hot because I'm still not, you know, I've been down here four years. I'm not really sure I'm that acclimated to it or if you ever can be. Yeah. And he said, why don't you just enjoy your run? And I thought about that and, you know, I went out there never looked at my watch. I've been doing that a lot more lately. And I, today I did a 10 mile run, never looked at my watch until I was done. 
Yeah. I was a little surprised. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I was feeling, I didn't feel like I felt real good, but my time was pretty good. So sometimes you just have to, you know, take a little step back and, and realize that, you know, you're, you don't have to hit every workout, especially as you get older. I mean, Alan constantly tweaks what his program is that he's got because he tends to, you know, I think, and I may run into this too, when I get him to my sixties, I may have to cut back even more, maybe more swimming, a little bit shorter runs, whatever. But as long as I can do it, I'm gonna, because I told him when I turn 65, I'm qualifying for Kona. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good goal. Hopefully we'll be yeah. uh, doing everything by then. <laughs> Yeah, I know. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you don't. So, <laughs> so I want to talk about your your running style. Has anybody tried to change your gait, kind of how your your form that you're running? Because you kind of have that little bit of a hitch as a PT. I watch you. I watch you run. Yeah. And has anybody well, tried to change that? I didn't. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't know that I've had that forever. And to be honest with you, I didn't realize I had it until um, I have actually some videos that um, I bought when I did um, some of my Boston marathons. And, you know, all these people come running along and Alan goes, there's you. And I'm like, how do you know that's me? So look at that, that run. Oh my God, look, I do have that. And I guess I've had that forever, but some of it is, it's a, um, when I was in my early thirties, I kind of got very scared that I was not going to be able to run much longer. I thought I had maybe, you know, kind you know how it is, you've worn yourself out or you've just done too much. And, and some of the problem is that, you know, when you think about the days of running track for high school and for college and indoor track, especially with those small tracks, we always ran one way. Mm. We hardly ever, I mean, that was back when nobody thought about that stuff. So, you know, constantly running one way and, and the last Achilles injury I got was running on a track, believe it or not. Okay. When it, started, when it started up, but running that one way. And then the other thing is you run for however many years or miles I've done um, running on the left side of the road yeah. with the camber. Yeah. Um, I started getting a lot of sciatic pain. I start, I mean, it was just getting so painful to run. I, I knew there was nothing really, you know, wrong. I knew I didn't have a stress fracture. I knew, you know, and it was just the sciatic. So um, I was always afraid to go to somebody <laughs> <laughs> because the last thing you want, and you know, as an yep. athlete is to be told, no, you can't. For me, it's not, no, you can't do this for a period of time. It's no, you can't ever do this. Yeah. And I always was afraid because I did know some, I do know a few people that have had to quit running because of Achilles issues or whatever they had going on. And I'm like, and, and, and one of them was just the most fantastic male runner ever. And he's probably four years older than me, but he had to stop running probably when he was about 40. Okay. Really, really sad. He got, he, he's heavily into cycling now. Okay. So he replaced it, but you know, still he's, he's been told no more running. And so I finally, on the advice of, I think it was my sister. Um, she recommended, we lived in the same town, Fulton, New York. She recommended a chiropractor. 
And she said, just give it a shot. This guy's really good. He's, you know, so the first thing he does is he takes me and he puts me on one of those scales and there's a 20 pound differential from my left to right side. Yeah. Well, that's a huge imbalance. And he starts kind of checking me out. He says, I don't, I don't think you've got any back issues and I've never had back pain and which I'm very thankful for, but I was having a hip issue. And he says, well, here's the problem. He's looking at me and my one, my one left hip is down and forward. Mm-hmm. So it's twisted. So all of a sudden he puts me on a table and has me do this little pretzel thing and then crack. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. That's better. So that kind of hooked me into, you know, the abilities of a chiropractor. And then he gave me um, some exercises to try to get rid of the imbalance and strengthen myself up. And next thing you know, I was, I was good to go again. And, you know, that was my first, I don't even know if I would call it an injury because I really never had to stop running or anything my first real injury never happened until um, 2013 and that was an Achilles injury and it was definitely overuse. What I did was I went out and ran the Red Rock Marathon in early March, which is in Las Vegas. It's in Red Rock Canyon Park. Have you ever heard of that? Yep. Yes, I have. So this marathon was absolutely crazy because it was um i think we went i'm trying to think if we went we went uphill first five miles uphill seven miles downhill turn around run back the seven miles uphill and then five miles downhill and my achilles started hurting and you know i mean i've been really really lucky and i was i'm trying to think in 2013 i was 45 maybe i've been really lucky and never had any running injury you know i'd had a lot of friends that had injuries um alan's had a bunch of them mm-hmm. and i have i've had i've actually had um like fleet feet up in new york state look at my running and they, they said to me, you've got just about as, I mean, you have this hitch, but you have just about the most perfect running form. Yeah. You're very neutral. Your, your turnover is really high. You're very light on your feet and you're, you're built like a runner. So you're, you've, you've got all the good things going for you and all the, all the right genetics. So I didn't get hurt, but I, you know, the Achilles was hurting a little bit and I was doing Boston in April. So I backed off a little bit on the running and went into Boston and that was the year the bombs went off in Boston as well. So I'm running with an Achilles that's hurting and it's hurting more and it's hurting more. And Alan, you know, I saw Alan at halfway. I saw him, he was, he was out on the course three different places. And the last time I saw him was at Heartbreak Hill. And I said to him, you know what? And I've only ever not finished two races in my whole entire life. I said to him, I don't think I'm going to finish this because this Achilles, I'm really worried about it. It's hurting. And he goes, it's Boston. You can walk and finish. You're at Boston. You're running Boston. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's like, it was like my sixth, sixth Boston, maybe. (laughs) And I'm, and I kind of, I'm like, all right, yeah, you're right. Because then I start thinking about all the people that would kill to do it. Yeah. 
and you start thinking about all the people that'll never qualify and here you are, you're here and you know, you've got like five miles to go and, and I'm hurting a little way, you know? So I actually started walk running it. And then the competitive person in me with two miles to go said, Hey, if I run two, eight minute miles, I'll requalify. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And me being that way probably is one of the best things that could have happened that day because I finished 10 minutes before those bombs went off. Yeah. Now, if I continued walk running, you know, I might've been right there. You never know. That's scary. It's a it scary. Is really scary. It was, and the scariest part was that, you know, Alan had picked out, you know, we walked the finish line the day before and he picked out where he was going to stand. He says, see these little red sidewalk areas here before the fin And that was where the, one of the bombs went off. That side as well it was where he was going to be. And we got another stroke of luck that somebody was really watching over us that day. And I mean, that's all we can say was, you know, thank God that yeah. things happened the way they did. He couldn't find a parking spot. He couldn't find a parking garage to park in. So he actually parked about four, four blocks away from the finish. And I finished before he could find somewhere to park and get there. Yeah. So I called him when I was done and he told me where he was. And I'm like, oh God, I'm hurting. I just want to get in the car and go home. So we, you know, honestly, I felt the ground shake. I heard a noise, but, but where I was, it was a finish line full of thousands of people and you don't, you didn't know what happened. Yeah. So I got in the car, we saw the people that were stopped. They stopped people at mile 25. We drove by them and went, wow. And I'm like, oh, don't tell me. I, my thought was somebody drove on the course and hit somebody. Yeah. Didn't know. And then we got a call from, from, um, Alan's son-in-law who would, seen on Twitter what happened and you know he wanted to make sure we were okay and we said yeah and then next thing you know we lost cell service it was scary it we I mean that's something that you know and 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 I requalified for Boston but I only qualified by a minute three and that year so many people wanted to go back to Boston I that I couldn't go so I had to go when I went to Tobacco Road when I was 51 and did the 330 marathon yeah that qualified me to go back. Yeah, that's good. And so did you, you went back last year, right? I went, I think it was two years ago now. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beth, which Achilles is it? I forget left or right. Well, the first time I got hurt, it was the right one. Okay. And, and you know, I just, I literally was probably very, very close to, to rupturing it. Yeah and probably would have been better off rupturing it because I, I did not run for about six months, you know, and I did a lot, a lot of strengthening work. And finally, finally the thing that actually fixed it. And this is kind of a strange thing was Alan had had Achilles issues and he was telling me about shockwave therapy. Okay. So I looked into it and it was so expensive in the US, it was about $2,500 that I actually, he said to me, he goes, well, you know, they have it in Canada, $100 a treatment. And I went four times. So I drove to Canada four Friday afternoons just to go to an appointment to get shockwave therapy, pay my $100, come back. But the first treatment I got, that was the first time I was able to run in months. Okay. So it, it did a really good job. It worked really well. I'm not going to say everything was perfect, 
right then and there. I mean, it still took a number of months. And, and then, you know, eventually it was all gone. I do have a bump on that heel, which I call a Hagelin's deformity, I guess yep. now. Um, but I've had that, but I, I can manage it. I've been able to manage it for like seven years. And then, like I said, um, 18 months ago, I was doing a track workout, getting ready for duathlon worlds. And it was, I think, six um, thousand meter repeats. And the fifth one, I kind of, my left Achilles, the other one started feeling not so good. And I was, and my repeats were going so well and I was doing them so fast that I wanted to do that one more and I did it. And I regret doing it because then that one started to go bad. Then when that one started to go bad, the right one started acting up too. So that by, um, I did do Eagle Man in June, but it was, it was like I had knives in both Achilles. So, you know, and, and really it's just for me, it's, it's weak calves. So what I have to do, um, I did go to, you know, I've gone to Damien, of course, to chiropractor again to, to get it taken care of. And they did laser therapy and then they did the piezo wave therapy on it, Mm -hmm. which both seemed to help a little bit. But I think the thing that helped me the most was eccentric heel drops, but this is insertional Achilles tendonitis. So it's not, um, it's not up high, it's in the heel. So you don't, when you do those, you want to make sure you don't drop your heel below the step that you're doing it on. So I still do those. Um, and I will say that it's, it took me probably a year and three months to get things back to where they should be. Last year I did the summer solstice that you had yeah. and I, I only did 10 miles. That was my last run for two months. After that, I pool ran. Okay. Yeah. Because I had to, I had to get it back. I needed to, I needed to get it back. And I never really felt like I got it back until earlier this year. Okay. And I still get a little sore and I, I just, I have to stretch. I have to roll. I have to do all those things I never did as a kid runner. As a, as a childhood runner, I mean, it was like put on the shoes and bolt out the door go as fast as you can come back and then do it again whenever you felt like it. <laughs> now I have to be like, all right, I need to do these raises. I need to swing my legs a little. I need to stretch. I need to roll, you know? So. Well, that leads me to really the next question. Cause I know you pool running, you know, I wanted to know what you're doing to, to kind of rehab that your ankles, uh, your Achilles actually. So you're doing pool running. You've done some stretching. I know you're foam rolling. Are you doing strength training? You do. I a- absolutely am. I'm doing, um, you know, I'm doing like, um, one leg jumps. Um, you know, like, uh, I can't think of the name of it now. Like, biometrics. You're doing some like biometrics. I'm, I do that stuff once a week. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of, um, balance type exercises. Okay. So, you know, the kind of, the kind of things that make you realize you have gotten older, (laughs) (laughs) you start to realize, I mean, I will tell you like back when I got hurt over about a year ago, I couldn't, I could not stand on one foot flat footed even without having a balance issue. And I'm like, I got to fix this. I know this is a huge problem. And now, now I've gotten to where I can stand on my toes on one foot and try to close my eyes, you know, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those kind of things are are the things I do. And it's, it's funny because, you know, Alan's like, 
he goes, I can't believe you're having trouble with your Achilles after all the stuff I see you doing because he sees me do a lot of it. You know? <laughs> I do it at night and I don't know if there's a better time of day or not. But for me, because I do my exercising in the morning, you know, the nighttime is when I finally just kind of unwind and roll things out. And I can always tell, I can tell when I need to go back to the chiropractor, um, I'll start to feel a little bit of sciatic, you know, and actually through the whole COVID thing was probably the best I've ever done with it. Probably because I kind of knew I didn't have a choice. Yeah. So I had to be very religious about it and I couldn't rely on somebody to fix it for me. I had to fix it myself. And I actually have um, one of those stainless steel, I, I don't know for lack of a better word to call it, but the scrapers that like yeah. they use. Yeah. Yeah. I have one of those and I know how to use it and I will use it, especially on my calves when I've done some running and, you know, like today, um, I'm a little sore right now, but nothing like I used, to. I used to do, I mean, I was still I, I read, I got to tell you, I did a lot of internet research on insertional Achilles um, problems. Yeah. And one of the things they, they said is, you know, you don't stop running, believe it or not. They said, because it's, you know, you, you want to keep your mobility, you know, with the running, but don't do a lot of hills. Yeah. Don't overstride, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, and, and, and some of the stuff the chiropractor was saying as well, and they were giving me some exercises to do. And, you know, I was following those and those helped a lot. But, you know, the scary thing about it was I would go do a run and then I'd limp for two days, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And yeah. I don't like that. I, wanna, yeah. I, I don't want to feel a lot of pain, you know. Yeah, the problem is you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to come out of it where you're, it's lasting um, for more than a couple of days, you, you know, you want to be sore maybe, but yep. you don't want to be limping and have, because every time you do that, you're just kind of setting things up to fail long-term. Well, I kept thinking all you're doing is setting yourself back. You're setting your yep. recovery back. You know, you're taking this recovery, which could be a couple months and you've dragged it out to a year now because of the way I was, the way I was doing. And it's, it's a live and learn thing. And I mean, sometimes, you know, some of us are a little stubborn and we have to figure it out on their own. <laughs> But I think I've finally gotten it to, I mean, you know, last month I ran 32 miles and yeah. I was, I won't say I wasn't sore. I was sore, but the next day I was not limping and the soreness was not bad at all. I had to do a little icing on the Achilles and, and, you know, and then I was also very good and waited about four days before I ran again. And when I ran again, I felt good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You so, got to give yourself the break. I know it's a yeah. Yeah. So now I do three runs a week. One is a longer run. One is something that generally has some hills, some speed work, nothing too terrible. And, and I'm also not afraid to just make it a run. Yeah. And then I do one brick and that's all I do. The bricks are short. I think a half hour is the longest brick I do. Um, and I've actually been doing some walking now because Alan's trying to rehab his knees a little bit. So he's been walking and I go with him because, you know, it's a great way to spend some time together and, you know, you still get a benefit from walking, I believe. Mm -hmm. So you do. So you had talked a little bit earlier about the heat, especially coming from Syracuse to down here. You know, we did that 73 mile bike ride on, on Saturday, you know, we started at 66 and ended at 90. <laughs> uh, so the thing is, what do you do to manage the heat? Are you, 
doing anything differently? I, I will tell you that quite honestly, when I, when I first started running, I never used to even carry water with me. I would go out and just run, you know, I mean, and, and granted I was in a place where it wasn't going to be quite as hot, but I found as I got older and I was told this by several of the older women that I knew that were runners for a long time. They said one of the biggest things they noticed as they aged was that they did have to have water. Mm -hmm. So I carry today for my 10 mile run, I have two bottles of water and a tube of salt with me. It was a fasted run, which most of my running is fasted. Um, okay. I know there's a lot of people that may be for or against it, but I was doing fasted running before they even had a term for it. So, yeah. <laughs> and it seems to work well for me. I have a, um, I have a big issue. Um, not so much. I, I've never had a cramp other than once in a great while, I'll get a foot cramp swimming. Mm -hmm. or maybe maybe a calf cramp swimming swimming is the only time i've ever gotten cramps and usually it's due to temperature more than anything it, because it's not dehydration because usually you know i'm swimming on my own you know yeah. nothing but i i have to be very very careful on the on getting enough um electrolytes and water and um i'm able to <laughs> i hate to say this but <clears throat> All my Ironmans, I never ate anything on the run. And <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. I will drink the Coke. I will drink the chicken broth. I just can't do solid food. Okay. And I've really, I've really kind of been that way for as long as I can remember. Um, the, the best marathons I've done, you, uh, you were there for one of them when I was 51 and I did Tobacco Road. Yeah. And then when I was 41, I did a 325 and both of those races, I do eat like a bagel for breakfast. I do make sure I get some pre-nutrition in and I can do that. Okay. Um, but when it comes, you know, two hours before I'm good, but then when it comes to the race, I have a hard time. And I think in that first, um, that 325 marathon, I took one gel at 13 miles almost 14 and one gel at about 21 okay plus water i don't i don't usually drink gatorade because that will bother my stomach in the worst way running so for running for me it's it's got to be something that doesn't bother my stomach and i'm still i hate to say this after all these years of running but i'm still trying to figure it out yeah i i honestly have not gotten running nutrition figured out yet bike nutrition I can eat anything, but everything, but the kitchen sink. And as long as the last 20 minutes, half an hour of my bike ride, I go to plain water. I'm fine. Okay. But you know, I, I still remember when my first, um, Ironman was Lake Placid. And I remember, um, it was for whatever reason in the Adirondacks, it's never this hot. It was 98 degrees on the bike that day. Wow. And I remember drinking, they had some sort of Gatorade endurance on the course. I drank four or five bottles of that. I drank four or five bottles of water. I ate, I think, uh, 12 Fig Newtons because I was eating one every 10 miles. I grabbed bananas and um, power bars and whatever. If anybody put any food in front of me on that bike course, it was in my mouth <laughs> for whatever reason. I was so 
hungry, which was really funny because other people that did that race said it was so hot they felt like they couldn't eat. Yeah. But what I what I what I had to do for myself, and I've done this in all the Ironmans, is I have to take like a Fig Newton or um, a Paydays. Paydays work for me as well, or um, the Cliff Bars, and cut them into a chunk that I can throw in my mouth, and then you know I can be regimented and say, okay, every ten miles I'm going to eat this. Okay. And then the drinking part is easy for me. I've never really struggled with doing that, so. I just, I just would say to anybody as they're getting older, pay a lot more attention to your hydration. Yeah, it, especially with the heat, you know, it's so important uh, to stay on top of things because it's so hard to recover. When you get behind, you're not going to catch back up. Yeah. So do you, as far as like before a long training session or a race, any special considerations you consider outside of the nutrition, like, you know, just overall body check type of thing that you didn't ever really care about before? One thing I've started doing, which is, um, this is on the advice from the NBS people, is I have that preload. Okay. So, like, I think three days before Eagle Man, I started drinking twice a day, drinking a serving of preload to try to get my body hydrated. You, you kind of tend to blow it up a little bit, but... Um, and I've experimented a little bit with it. As a matter of fact, I sort of ran an experiment on this week and last week with it um, because I wanted to see if it's really, because I, I'd started doing it where like the night before I do a long run, I'll drink a glass of it. Okay. But it's going to be hot. So two weeks ago, um, I did a, a 14 mile morning run and I drank a glass of it the night before. And I did my run, and I think I even actually had one gel during that run as well. And it was a very good run. I felt very good. It was it was warm. I mean, it was probably just as warm as it was this morning. And it ended up, you know, I never had that mental issue where I was kind of like, uh, I don't want to do this. This sucks. It's hot. And this week, I decided that well, I'm going to do 10 miles. Let me see if this, I'm, you know, you kind of wonder, does this stuff really work? You know? So I didn't. And it was the most miserable run ever. I swear to you. I just did not feel almost identical time per mile. And it was, it was almost identical course, just four miles shorter. And I just couldn't get into it today. I mean, I walked up the driveway and Alan was like, Oh, that doesn't look good. And I, <laughs> I'm like, that was awful. It was just awful. And he goes, you came back looking better from that 14 miler. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to be, I'm, I've learned something there. <laughs> Summertime, I'm going to do that. But I do, um, as far as like um, being race ready, um, I try to, I try to not worry too much about anything because I've kind of learned over the years that um, there's sometimes you're just going to have a day where it's just not your day, just not your race mm -hmm. and do what you got to do to get through it. And it doesn't bother me as much as it would have when I was younger. When I was younger, it was like that gun goes off and I'm like a cannon out of it. And I'm not going to say that I'm still not like that, but if it, if it's not a good day, I've decided that I can, I can forgive myself for not having a really good, I had, um, I raced in Spain in worlds last year and 
my Achilles were really bad and my run times were just horrendous. And unfortunately it was a duathlon. So it was 10 K run. And then our 25 mile bike was like in the mountains. It was absolutely most technical bike. I mean, you couldn't go fast on the, on the steep downhills because you had, you know, turns and everything else and you couldn't go fast on the uphills. And it was just, it was hard. And then by the time I went to do the last 5k, my Achilles were shot. I was tired. It was, it was, it was, we had a race at four in the afternoon, which is not really my time either. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was a hard race. And I, and I didn't finish. Um, I had done nationals a few years earlier or worlds a few years earlier. Again, that one was in, in Spain and I finished ninth in the world in my age group. Nice. This time, I, I think I was like, I think I was 15th or something. And I was just so disappointed. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. Yeah. You're hurt. You're here. You're still representing your country, you know, and it's, it's something just to get there. And sometimes you have to forgive yourself and be easier on yourself. And I think, you know, that's something that I didn't used to do. So, you know, if I go into a race and I'm not feeling, and I'm feeling tired, I don't stress about it. You know, I mean, I'll kind of like, you know, of course you want to go in as, as best as you can. And what I try to do is just make sure I've got the best mental outlook on it with several plans. <laughs> yeah. You know, one is like, if, if it's the best day of my life, this is what I'm going for. <laughs> and I've got, you know, this is, this is like, this is the shape I'm in. And this is what I think I can do, even if I have a, a tougher time normally. And then I have the bailout plan where it's like, you know, you throw everything out the window and you just finish it. And, you know, more often than not, you find you're somewhere between one and two most of the time. Yeah. You know, and then, and then, you know, I never look back on a race and stress over, you know, could I have done any better? And before I probably used to, you know, I used to overanalyze it and did I go out too fast and did I, you know, what did I, what did I do that I shouldn't have done? And, you know, I try to try to let it be a little bit, a little bit more flexible. <laughs> I think that comes with wisdom with age. I think, you yeah, know, the things you, I know you, it does. I know it does. <laughs> but you know, the thing about it is, and I, you know, the nice thing about this whole thing was when I got done with college, unlike a lot of college athletes, and I, and I, I had to speak in front of the Syracuse varsity club because I did get inducted into what they call their hall of fame when I was in my forties. And I said, the nice thing about my sport is it continues on. Yeah. I said, I can do the sport when I'm 80 years old, you know, and I, and I said, I feel for the players that are in football, you know, basketball, baseball, there's, there's not a lot for them to be able to do this, but I mean, I could go run a race every weekend if I wanted to. And it, it just makes it that much more special that it's something that, you know, that carries through. And then at the time, you know, just starting in triathlon, it's like, here's a whole new thing because some of the problem, and I've known a lot of my college running friends don't run anymore. Yeah. One of the questions I got asked by Syracuse when I was giving my speech, you know, beforehand, they gave me some questions that people would have. And they said, how are you still motivated to run 20 years after college? Now it's, 30 years after college, why are you still running? What, 
how, how, how do you keep your motivation? Because you're obviously not, and I mean, obviously I'm like, oh, right. Obviously not getting any faster. And I said, well, there's a, there's a couple things that I do. And one of them is every five years when I turn 50, 55, 60, I throw out all my PRs. Yeah. You know, I, I don't forget them or anything, but I clear the slate. And then in that five-year age group, how fast can I run a 5K? How fast can I run a 10K? And that kind of gives you a little bit of motivation because you run one and then the next week you maybe go and two weeks later, go do another one and you do a minute better and then you're excited. Yeah. Cause you're like, okay, I sent a, I set a new PR in this age group, you know, um, running races and having competition is, is a good way too. I mean, that's, some people are afraid of competition. I am not. <laughs> Obviously, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I hate to say that. I mean, I do. I love the competing. I love being able to. I mean, it's kind of funny because I had these like incredible times I ran in college. And yet for like a 5K and I'll go out and do a 5K now and it doesn't feel any different. I still feel like I'm going as hard and it's hurting as much. It's just taking me, it's just taking me longer. <laughs> <laughs> kind of matches up with my coach. He used to say, run as hard as you can because it hurts for less time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's say prior to um, an Ironman event, what are the things you're telling yourself at the starting line? Well, you know, the, interestingly enough, um, and this came from, Someone, it was interesting, before my first Ironman, um, there was a group of three of us that were doing our first one, and we had dinner with a girl who had already done one, and the first thing she said to us was, well, enjoy the swim, because that will be the easiest part of your day, <laughs> as frightening as that sounds, but, you know, she said, really, just enjoy that part of it, because that's, that, like you, you've said that before, it's your warm-up. Yeah. And then she just said, take it in small pieces. And what I do is I don't even think about the fact that I have to bike 112 miles. You know, what I do is like um, most of these are two loop bike courses. You just think about the, you know, the first loop of the bike and then the second loop of the bike. And then the marathon, I just break it down into, um, you know, into a bunch of 10Ks. And, you know, in all reality, I get all done with it and I go, oh, wow, I, I just not only did 140 miles, but I did do a marathon and mm -hmm. it was fine. And as long as you don't really get too concerned about what's coming up, then it really just it all flows through and and it ends up being it ends up being a much easier day than you would expect it to be. Okay. Yeah. So that's on, what I found. That's good. So on the, the marathon portion, are you running? The whole thing or are you doing a run walk how do you usually handle that i know you're breaking you said breaking down the 10ks how are you 10Ks. handling that um the you know the first part for me is really is really probably the hardest for me because i want to go out and run eight minute miles <laughs> <laughs> yep. and we all know how bad that can be um you know it's been kind of different in the three that i've done um I, and I think I've become a little better at not not being so concerned about going out, you know, like crazy. And, and it doesn't really blow me up, but you end up walking a lot more than you need to. And I do walk, run, um, 
but I try to, you know, keep it to aid stations. And um, I tend to, you know, I tend, if I'm, if I'm just feeling like I'm pushing my, a lot of times for me, it's just pushing myself too hard. I feel it, you know, I can tell I am, I just go by rate of uh, perceived exertion. I don't okay. use heart rate when I run for a race because, um, to be honest with you, I'm afraid of what my heart rate really can be in a race. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and so many years of running, I know my exertion. I know if I'm going too hard. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because when I got to Lake Placid, I went, I went, that was my first one. I went bursting out of the gate like I was on fire and Alan's son is yelling at me, Dad's only 45 minutes ahead. Go catch him. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, yeah, I did catch him. I caught him at 10 miles. But then, then I actually stayed with him for a couple miles. And he was doing something that I thought would be useful for somebody that's older um, because he was, you know, he's, he's a bit older than me. And what he was doing was he was – we were out in the countryside. He was running telephone pole to telephone pole. Then he would walk the next one. Yeah. Then he would run the next one. And he did that the whole time. And it kept him very steady. And it, and it, it kept him, he said, you know, it was much more enjoyable for him to do that. So that's what worked for him. Yeah. You know, for me, it was like, you know, I did that with him for a few miles. And then he's finally like, okay, you got to go because I can tell you just got to go. You have to <laughs> run harder. So, so he let me go, but. But that was, uh, yeah, that's how he does it. And I kind of just try, I don't ever say I'm going to do, I know a lot of people will do like a five minute run, one minute walk. I'm not that regimented for it. So okay. you know, I'll tend, I'll tend to run more in the first half of the race and then the second half, see what happens. And then that last, that last few miles you know if i can really pick it up i will and you know sometimes it works and sometimes you know you're slower and you have to you kind of you kind of when you get to that point in the race you accept whatever it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> yeah i agree so then i'm going to follow that up with so how mm -hmm. do you measure success of an event what is it for you for me um uh, you know in a way when it comes to the longer distance ones for me, it's more about um, feeling good the whole time, mm -hmm. um, not having, you know, you hear about people that get sick and you hear about people that have cramps and things like that. And um, I've been very successful and not had any of that happen. I did, I know I did get a little bit low on salt in Florida because it was a cold day and you just didn't realize that you were you know, still sweating out a lot of salt. So I was lucky that an aid station had little salt tubes and I grabbed yeah. one and that just, that fired me up and I was able to run. So I learned a little bit there. So sometimes it's, am I learning something? Am I feeling good? Am I enjoying it? I know my first one, I probably had the biggest smile on my face the whole day long and it just, it, it went by so fast and I, I just can't even explain how much I enjoyed that very first one. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Cause again, when we go into event, unless you are an elite and you're, you know, you're going to mm -hmm. podium, you know, we can all set up time goals, but to be honest, it's even that is 
every day's different uh, right, again, right. the heat and cold. So, and then there's always something, you know, that's a long distance. So there's usually yeah. something that happens during something the day that you have to over. On. Yeah. There's always something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, overcoming something during that event, um, it, it, that's a success as well. Um, exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, and, and just keeping your mind in what you're doing and being in that moment, I think yeah. helps a lot. Um, you know, after I get all done, yeah, I analyze everything. I'm not going <laughs> to lie about that. <laughs> I can't help it. And what I generally look to see is how many people finished in my age group and was I in the top 10% because yeah. that's fairly normal for me to be right around the top 10%. Yeah. So then I can kind of say, okay, you know what, maybe, maybe I didn't think my bike was as fast as it should have been, but I'm still in the top 10%. So whatever struggles were out there, were out there for everybody. Cause I, most of the ones, um, I mean, Lake Placid was hot. And then the other two I did were just cold and windy, really cold and windy. And that, that has a big effect too. So yeah. you you may not get what you want, but sometimes when you look, everybody else has to deal with the same exact conditions as you do. Yeah. So then it gives you it gives you a measure, and you know I I mean I've been I've been really lucky that I've been happy with how everything has gone, and you know the when you think about all the things that can go wrong, oh yeah, you really appreciate what goes right. <laughs> well, I know you know the. People would have multiple flats during an event, and oh, you know, no. it, it's just I, I can't imagine the just the frustration that you feel. And you know, it doesn't matter how good you are, it's just, that's something that you can't control. I mean, it's completely out right. of your control, right? Exactly. Um, okay, so then let's think about those three Ironman you did. Um, what's recovery like? How long does it take you to recover from an event like that? Uh, I got, I got to tell you that Lake Placid, um, like I said, I caught my husband at about eight miles, stayed with, stayed with him till 10. And then what I did after that was I said, get me some food to the people leading me out, went and got food. And then I went right back to the, in the finish area. Yeah. You know, this was when we didn't have to worry about it. And I waited for him to finish so we could, we actually have you know, the after picture with the metal on and everything in front of the Iron Man banner together. Cool. So I waited after that and then I took him over and got him fed. And then, um, I think I was almost every single one of these, I would be lucky if I slept two or three hours that night because I'd wake up all excited Yeah. <laughs> about having done it and everything. And the funniest thing about it is, is I, and I, and I said this to him after the first, you know, after the first one, especially, I said, I feel the next day I felt better than I did after doing a standalone marathon. Yeah. And it just, it's gotta be because you're not, you know, I'm not running anywhere near as hard as I would run in a marathon and yep. just doing the other sports and everything. And I usually take like, I probably take. Probably the first one, I at least took a week off, but I'll take at least three or four days and, you know, just do stretching and rolling and, and, and walking a lot of walking just to, you know, just to get everything moving before I attempt to do anything else crazy or think about the next crazy thing I want to do. Okay. So. Is that I kind of have I kind of have this rule: you got to wait two days before you sign up for anything else. 
<laughs> you know, the heat of the moment, if you, you know, you, you could be sitting there that night signing up for five different races if you're not careful. And it happens. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, it happens. We know, we yeah. know plenty of people that do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing is that, you know, the other thing is you can't, you cannot make, and I, I've never been one to make the statement. I'm never going to do this again. Yeah. I have wait and see, and if I, you know, if two or three days goes by and I still feel like I'm never going to do it again, then I probably won't. But yeah. usually, you start getting, oh, you know, I could have done this or that, and that's, <laughs> that's the fun of it all. That's what keeps us all motivated. It is the next one. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. You know, you're right, but you got to enjoy it when you're done with it, and then. But you're right. There's always that next that next carrot out there that you got to go find and and figure mm-hmm. it out. Um, so do you do any, any ice or, uh, you just doing foam rolling? What do you, what's your main routine? That I, I used to do, you know, it's funny when I did marathons, I, oh God, I don't even know how I do these. Cause I, I've, I haven't done one of these in years, but I used to do a marathon and then I would get in an ice bath Yeah. right after I would get in, you know, make the water as cold as I could stand, get in and then just dump ice in. And it does help a lot, but I have not had to do that after, you know, after any Ironmans. Um, I probably, now that I have the Keeley's issues that, you know, are kind of cropping up every now and then, I I probably would ice after an Ironman just to get the swelling down for that, you know, and then, but really it's mostly just keeping yourself moving and stretched out and rolling. I think, I think that is way more important, you know, because, because the, you know, I don't seem to have other than the Achilles issues. I don't have a lot of other issues that I have to deal with, which is fortunate for me. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a difference between uh, say an Ironman event other than it's just a long day and you're, you're fatigued. It's definitely mm-hmm. not like running a marathon. Um, no, and you're I, just, I don't it's so different. The, yeah. I don't seem to get the soreness out. You know what I mean? Yeah. The muscular soreness and the thing about the marathon and, and I've had, you know, I've, of course, when I first started doing them and wasn't used to it, you get that, like your everything just tightens up so bad. It just, it just, you can't, you feel like you just want to lay down on the ground, but you know, if you do, you can't move after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not like that after Ironman, it's kind of more like, Oh, okay. That was just a little more intense training day. Yeah. With lots of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Now I gave you a list of six things, basically nutrition, sleep, activity, intensity, attitude, family, friend, support, and recovery. What would you say the top three reasons are for your success over the years? If you had to pick kind of from those things. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, hmm. Wow. <laughs> you can have time to think about that. Basically, instead of ranking them, just what do you think is the top three? What, what things kind of get you to the finish line and kind of get you moving to the next one, next starting line? I mean, I, a lot of it is just, is just my mind and the kind of type person I am. I just, I need, I need to have a goal. You know, I'm, I'm your typical engineer. I need to have a goal for something. So if I have a goal, then that gives me the motivation to work. But I've also been told that I'm very self-motivated anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I just tend to, I will, I will go out when I'm tired. Um, but one of the things I think in my whole life, I have always been somebody who makes sure that I get as good a quality sleep as I possibly can. 
not always easy. You know, as you know, when you get older, it gets harder and harder to sleep, but I also sleep better if I exercise. Mm -hmm. So if I don't exercise, then I'm not sleeping, but I tend to, and actually with the COVID, I'm probably getting a little more sleep than usual. Um, I will get seven to eight hours of sleep, sometimes a little bit more, not too much more. Um, and I think when I was younger, I was more tending towards the six hours. Okay. And I've, I've found out that my body recovers much better. Um, the other thing that helps me to recover too is the recovery boots, yep. um, magnesium. These are things that I never would have you know, done anything with. Um, I think that, you know, having, having a little bit of support from family and a, a network of friends that do this, I think is um, very important because, you know, we talk to each other all the time. We motivate each other, especially right now when, you know, we're, we're all waiting to see what happens with our races. And it's, you know, I kind of, I find that some of my friends are going, well, I don't really feel like working out because it's so depressing seeing all these races get canceled. And I'm like, well, you'll feel better if you go out and do that. I mean, that was the one thing that, you know, like I said, as you may have noticed, my parents were very supportive of athletics. Mm -hmm. I think my mother went to every basketball game I had, every soccer match, every track, every single thing I had. And she was very supportive of that. And I still remember you know, I get up in the morning with a cold and she kicked me out the door and say, go for a run. You'll feel better. Yeah. And, and I would, and I think, I think that she basically taught me that, you know, you, there are a lot of things that you can do that you might think you can't do until you get out there and try it. You know, and I'd say, Oh, I really don't feel good. I can't breathe. And she's like, go out there you know, it's almost like she knew it was, you know, that, that whole thing where they proved that running is like a natural antihistamine. Mm -hmm. She knew I would feel better. And she'd always say to me, you know, if I said something about not wanting to go out to run because it was, usually it was because it was too snowy <laughs> <laughs> more than anything else. And, and I learned, I mean, I have run in some really horrendous snowstorms and things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've pushed me in three, like two other girls pushed a guy in a truck out of a ditch once, <laughs> you know, we're running along in knee deep snow and he gets stuck and we push him out. I mean, that was like, you know, we're all celebrating going, we're strong runners, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're all a hundred pounds. And <laughs> but you know, it's those kind of things where you go through, you know, those harder days. And I think that, you know, kind of carries you through to, to being able to do it and you get through it every time. So I think that whole support system you have, what it, whatever, whatever it be, it may not be your household support, but it might be your friends and they're just as much family as anybody else. Yeah. So I think that's important to sleep. Um, the nutrition is like, I mean, I, I think I'm, I think I do well, but I, I always think I can do better. Yeah. Know? So. So as far as uh, those individuals or groups that help you get through the good times and bad times, who are they? Who are those ones that you lean on? You want like specific names or? It's your, your call. I, I can, I know one of them for sure, but. Oh, yeah. Alan, right? Yeah. <laughs> Alan is, yes, he is. Um, he is my reality check because that's a little crazy and she will do too much. So he is the master of, in reality, 
training very effectively and resting and and doing what he should. And I feel terrible for him because the poor guy gets injured a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's his build. It's probably his age and, and those things. And he's been through a lot too. And, you know, he he gives me the right encouragement. And if I get a certain look on his face, when I tell him I'm going to do something, I start to say, hmm, maybe I should rethink this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say I follow his advice all the time, but you know, <laughs> so there's him. Um, I had a whole network of, of people in Fulton. Um, and one guy in particular, Tom Parsons, who trained with me for the last Ironman I did. Um, he was just a, just a very down to earth, very talented guy. You know, he rode, he rode one day, we rode 104 miles out on, uh, out from like Fulton to Rochester and back. And then we ran a few miles and it was insanely hot. And, you know, he was just, he never, he always had that positive attitude. And I think, you know, those friends up there with the positive attitudes helped out a lot. And then down here, um, you know, my, the main people that, that helped me out are, are Kim Seibold and, and Paula Jones. And it's interesting because Paula's new. Yeah. So new to the sport. So we, we kind of are like helping her along, hopefully. And she puts, she puts some realism in and she's got a great sense of humor and, um, you know, Kim's got a lot of experience in triathlon and Kim is also 50. She's 51, I believe. So she's, mm-hmm. you know, she's doing really well this year with it. And um, just the three of us, you know, back and forth are able to, you know, get talky, talk us off ourselves off the ledge when we get there, you know, when yeah. we get to a point where, you know, like, Usually it's a lot of times it's one of them saying to me, Oh my God, I haven't been able to do a workout in two days because of this or that. And it's, it's kind of saying, Hey, you know what? It's okay. Be nice to yourself and be kind. And, you know, and then for me, it's like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to travel and I don't know how I'm going to get my workouts done. And I'm going to be in bad, you know, my fitness is going to go down there. All like, no, 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 we know you, you'll get it. You know, So, so that kind of thing really does help a lot. And it's nice to, you know, it's nice to know those people are there. And, you know, there's, there's a lot, I mean, there's so many people in the triad tri team. It's hard for me to even start, but everybody plays a little part, whether they even know it or not, you know, whether it just be somebody that comes and rides with you every Sunday and they're just the nicest upbeat people ever. And they're very thankful for, you know, a ride course you put together, even if there are hills in it, you know that kind of thing. So we're so lucky with the, with the tri team here. I think we have such a good group and again, of all different uh, variable uh, or abilities, you know, so it's nice that we kind of all feed off each other and help each other out. So we have such a good group. I mean, all you have to do to, to know that is to, you know, you post something I need, um, does anybody have this I can borrow or that, or does anybody have advice on this or that? And then bam, there's three answers and five people are giving away their children just to get, you. <laughs> <what> you <need. laughs> I mean, really, it's just, it's just amazing. I, you know, the time when, um, last year, Alan had some surgery on his knees to correct some tears and, and take calcium out of his knees. 
And Betsy came over and brought, you know, brought us dinner. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. She's like, well, of course I do. You know, this, you're, you got too many things to do, you know, to deal with this. And I mean, it's just in the end, like you said, all different abilities of people and they all find a way to help each other out in this, which I think is really good, especially this year, because I think this year has been pretty hard on everybody in many different ways. So yeah, I, mean, it, I, I appreciate this team more than anybody would ever know. <laughs> it's been so difficult this year, I think, for us all trying to navigate things. And so it, it's been it's been good to be able to at least have other people to lean on and know that, you know, you're, we're not struggling by ourselves. Everybody else is kind of going through the same thing. And and all it takes is one person to go out there and do something and say, oh, you know, I actually can go out and do something. And right. So well, it's a good thing. Think about it. Last year, I would say at least 20 people did their first half Ironman on the team, probably. Yeah. And and I know that because I think I had to paint like 31 rocks last year. And I'm, really, <laughs> I'm depressed because I wanted to paint a lot of rocks this year. So somebody should do something that I can <laughs> that I can do that for them. <laughs> Hopefully that'll happen soon. Yeah. Um, so Beth, in closing, in one or two words that best describe the purpose of your overall miles, how would you complete the following hashtag? My miles are four. I think in the last three years, my miles are for um, my mother-in-law who died from leukemia. Mm -hmm. She died on the day that I went and did, um, I'm trying to think, it was November 13th um three years ago i was i was at miami man and i was um i had to go without alan because alan was up with her and i kept saying i can't go and i can't do this and you know she she wanted me to go do it and mm -hmm. she's go 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 do this race for me and that really got me thinking, what am I doing this for? And she's a person I think of often when, because she had a great outlook on life. She loved family. She was the nicest person you ever wanted to meet. And, you know, a lot of, Alan has a lot of her characteristics. And um, I just think about that a lot when I'm racing because of that particular race, I went and did Miami Man and I qualified for long world triathlon championships and it was the first time I qualified not in duathlon but in a triathlon and um she died while I was in the water swimming yeah and honestly he didn't Alan Alan knew it was going to happen he did not tell me that morning because he did not want me having to worry about it little mm -hmm. did he know that I was thinking about it and I was I, for some reason, I was about a hundred percent sure that she was going to die that day. Mm -hmm. um, it just, it, it, it was sad, but it also made me happy that I was able to, you know, put my love for her into racing because I couldn't be there. So yeah. a lot of times when I'm out doing those things, especially when it gets hard, I think about his mom and I think about, you know, that, you know, she, she thought it was great that we did this kind of stuff. So I guess that's the best way I can answer that. 
No, that's that's perfect. You know, and you know what I've done over the years and why I do it. Oh, sure. It's just Absolutely. there's something about that. You know, from my friend Paula when uh, she was going through her cancer, every mile I was doing, I was kind of it was my way to pray and say, okay, give her another day, give her another week, give her another month, whatever. And and I know maybe it didn't make a difference, but um, then I would go and call her and tell her, look, this is what I did. And I couldn't do, she knew I couldn't swim when I started. And I would, we would talk about it and I would say, you know, I, if I can't swim and I'm going to try to do this, she's like, it gave me motivation to get on my treadmill and to try to do something <laughs> that day. So, you know, we kind of worked that between the two of us and it it definitely helps so thank you for sharing that yeah and his, his mom was uh someone she got i think about maybe into into her early 80s she would get on a bicycle and ride a bicycle wow so you know she she was um she was a very very special person is the best way i can put it so and well, i know you also asked me one question mm -hmm. about what mantra goes oh yes mind. yes sorry I, skip that yeah I, I would like to tell you this because this is a very interesting story well hold on let me set let me set it up there beth for you so do you have any special mantras quotes that get you through yes i do and it was something that i got when um it just hit me when i was in college um I, and it wasn't from a track coach, a teammate. It was actually from my calculus professor when I was, when I was going, when I was in school and he was, he was this very dynamic guy. And for some reason, I really, really liked the guy. And eventually I, I come, came to find out he's a runner, which was very interesting because he was talking about this, um, the whole premise of infinite series with us in calculus and, not to bore you with all the details of it, but he basically said, okay, I'm out running and I get tired when I'm running. He said, so I get to a time where I'm going to stop. But then I say to myself, I could take one more step. So I take one more and then I could take another step. He says, think about it. When you, if you're a runner or you're out doing something, you can always do a little bit more. So technically, this could carry on infinitely. He said, so, 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 you, so just one more step, one more step. So that goes through my mind, just one more step, an awful lot. And a lot of times if it's swimming or if it's biking, I just say just a little bit more, just a little mm -hmm. bit more. And it reminds me of this guy. And, you know, unfortunately about five years after I graduated, he used to always go out and run on his lunch hour. He actually was hit and killed by a car running on oh. in Utica, New York. Wow. Terrible. But, but, you know, and it gives me, because I'll say that and then I'll think about him and think about how enthusiastic he was as a teacher and as a runner and just what a great guy he was. And, and it's, it's motivating. So for me, that works as well. I love that. Yeah. Anybody can do one more, just one more step, yep. one more right. model. You can do it. Yep. Hey, Beth, I do have one uh, other question. So you said you're hearing. What ear is it? It's my left ear. So it's interesting. Um, the reason I ask is because I have some diminished hearing in my left ear. Mm -hmm. And on the bike, it is really, I've, I have to pay attention a lot more. I'm constantly looking. If you ever bike behind me, I am looking a lot more. What compensation uh, techniques have you used now? 
have a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I have a mirror and um, the compensation technique I use the most. And I mean, I even use this in my work life. If I go into a meeting, if I get on a plane, I automatically place myself so that my right side is towards whoever. Always. I mean, running, biking. I mean, biking, it's hard to do that because a yeah. lot of times I'm on the right side, but I will position myself in a way that I can hear. Um, I can read lips. So that helps me as well. Um, and I, I've tried not to let it be a problem at all. I worry someday that I'm going to be like swimming in the water and, you know, like say one year Lake Placid, they had this big thunderstorm during the swim. And can you imagine if I'm not hearing it because I always breathe yeah. to, my, to my left side because there, I have this whole thing about that ear getting wet. Yeah. So I want to keep it above the water a lot. Yeah. It's just, it's just the way I've always been. But can you imagine this ear's in the water, so you're not hearing this thunder and lightning storm goes off. They're pulling everybody out of the water, and I'm just swimming along. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's something that, you know, that I've really had to pay attention to a lot more as that left ear gets a little bit less. And, and I've kept wondering, like, why is my neck or why is my back so sore? And, and it's really, I, I've learned to look over my shoulder so much more now. And then I appreciate when we do our rides the people that are vocal and are yelling out because it definitely, oh, yeah. and I try to be as vocal as I can because I know it, it's helping me a lot. I know. And I th honestly think that, you know, I've ridden in different cycling groups. We have the best. We yeah. have the best. They, they, they rarely even ride two by two. Yeah. You know, I, I can't imagine that we're making anybody that mad when we're out there. We, we do a good job of moving over to the side. And I think I, I my post that I did what a three weeks yeah, ago and it's amazing how just people don't pay attention. They're just so inconsiderate. Yep. And I think for a most part, our group, we are great at when someone comes, we're pulling over, we're making sure we're giving them space. So, and I think that comes from one, the leadership of basically the team and then you and Alan as running most of those, uh, I think it filters down that we've all learned that from people before us. I learned it from Steve Collins and all those guys that this is the way that you're supposed to act on the road. And I think it, it, it works well for us. Yeah. And I mean, people don't seem to get frustrated that we stop at a stop sign. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of times I'll say, I will say, if you, if you don't see anything coming, this isn't a busy road. I'll, I know where the busy roads are and, and mm -hmm. we're not, there's no question we're stopping. Yeah. Just because I don't want half the group to get stuck. I mean, it just, it's, you know, there's, there's just safer ways to do it. And we don't, we don't need our, our team getting plowed over by a car because they get mad. No, it's, it's, it's not worth it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Beth. I appreciate yeah. it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to gain some insight on how one weathering athlete approaches each day of training and racing to stay as injury-free as possible. I believe her biggest strength is her motivation and determination. On the race course, she is a force to be reckoned with. I have watched her many times kick it into higher gear if she is passed by anyone as she nears the finish line. Another key to her success is her consistency. It is a guarantee that my Strava feed will go off with an alert that she has done her training session. Even her water running sessions cover incredible distances. 
As she states, she has learned to manage her intensity and activities due to flare-ups of Achilles pain by incorporating more types of cross-training and recovery methods. Luckily for her, she has the support of her older and wiser husband, Alan, to provide a voice of reason when needed to curb her youthful exuberance. Thank you for taking time in your busy schedule. If you find today's or any other episode inspiring, I ask you to consider to join our patron program. Details can be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. Also, please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast, share with your friends, give me a rating on iTunes, leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel what you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete Podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, I encourage you to use the following hashtag, my miles are for, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. As always, my miles are for the journey. Pete Perusik.